I'm Andrew Schweitzer, and you're listening to the Boxing for Free podcast. There was something that I neglected to mention in the last podcast, something that I omitted just because I, I, I wasn't sure if it was worth mentioning, <clears throat> but I think it it doesn't really matter now after the fact, but every once in a while when a fight's being discussed, I sort of get this this feeling that, ooh, you know, everybody's predicting it's going to go one way, but I don't know. My upset sense is tingling. It's kind of like Spider-Man's spider sense, except mine usually applies to boxing matches. And after we did the po- or after I did the last podcast talking about uh, Golovkin versus Brooke with my prediction for it, the the closer we got to the fight, I kept that tingling, that upset sense, kept going off, and I thought, oh my gosh, what if, what if Glove, what if Golovkin loses? What if Kell Brook, coming up from welterweight, fighting at middleweight, actually does do what a lot of people say is impossible and beats Gennady Golovkin? And then I thought about it more, and I kept looking at all these other people's predictions. Uh, a lot of the people who were uh, rooting for Brook and picking Brook, which was all of Great Britain, a lot of them kept going back to uh, the Sugar Ray Leonard Marvelous Marvin Hagler fight from almost 30 years ago. And... One thing that, again, I forgot to mention this on the podcast when people were comparing it to that fight, a lot of people constantly talked about what Ray Leonard did right in that fight, but what they forgot to mention was all the things that Marvin Hagler did not do in that fight. He came out of his corner in an orthodox stance when he fought in a southpaw. He did not, he tried to outbox Ray Leonard. That didn't work. He didn't come out like he did for his fight against Thomas Hearns and try to just beat the ever, the ever-loving crap out of him. He didn't do that. So when people kept bringing up uh, Hagler Leonard as a comparison, I just kept thinking, well, you're only looking at one side as to why Ray Leonard won that fight. It wasn't so much about, or it wasn't all about what Ray Leonard did. It was also about what Marvin Hagler did not do. But uh, so. I had to work that evening, the uh, Saturday of Golovkin Brook. So when I woke up, the first thing I did was instantly get on my computer, check the results, and I see that Golovkin stopped Kell Brook in five rounds. And then I thought, okay, now I'm going to go watch the fight. I don't care what you say. I think that was a pretty good fight. And the intensity of the crowd, I was watching from the uh, Sky Sports uh, broadcast and uh, oh the the intensity of the crowd and everything it was so electric and I'm watching this full screen and I'll be honest the rounds went by incredibly quick I at times I actually paused the video and said wait a minute was that actually a three minute round and I would go and check and yeah those were three minute rounds uh I thought Brooke was really at his best in the second round and he kind of surprised me with how strong he was. And, uh, like I said, a good fight. But after a while, you could see uh, Brooke, uh, his uh, his right eye was damaged. Uh, I believe the orbital bone was broken, and he had surgery two days following the fight. But uh, to his credit, he was he was in there. But at the same time, in, in the fifth round, you could tell that this was going to be it. I, 
there was one point where he got out of a clinch and you saw him hold on to the ropes for stability. And I thought, oh boy, the, the end's going to come soon. And I, I don't know what uh, Brendan Ingle, his trainer, was doing because he's up on the ring apron and Golovkin is hammering Brooke against the ropes with punches. Ingle, Brooke's trainer, is trying to stop the fight and he all he's doing is just waving the towel. I'm watching him and I'm thinking, throw the towel. Throw the towel. And at one point, I actually shouted to the computer screen, throw the towel. But he's just standing there waving like, oh, I say, I say, referee, hello, over here, ahoy hoy, referee, if you could be so kind as to divert your attention this way and perhaps cease the activity of the fight proceeding, if you'd be so kind, if you please. That's probably not what Brendan Ingle sounds like at all, but you get the point. I'm just like, throw the throw the towel, get in the ring, just stop it. If you care so much about your fighter's welfare, stop this onslaught. But uh, now a lot of people are saying that uh, Golovkin, oddly enough, it, it's very funny. Golovkin's the guy who won the fight, and people are saying, Golovkin was exposed. Oh, he looks so terrible. He, he got exposed in this fight. You do know that he won, right? And we have to remember that Golovkin did say that he would let Brooke uh, test his chin. Didn't seem to bother uh, Golovkin at all. Uh, Kel Brook actually said that Golovkin's punches didn't hurt at all, except for the one that probably broke his orbital bone. But, I mean, I wasn't the one in there, so I can't talk about that. Uh, one thing I do have to mention, though, is that I watched the uh, the Sky Sports uh, the so, sorry the Sky Sports broadcast from the BBC or whatever or <laughs> the sorry the Sky Sports broadcast from England and then in contrast I watched the HBO broadcast the HBO broadcast really sucked sorry <laughs> first of all no disrespect to Bernard Hopkins but if you're going to have someone like Bernard Hopkins doing commentary on the fight make sure that he actually knows the name of the guy who's fighting because for the whole fight he keeps calling Kell Brook Cal Brook I, I expected Jim Lampley at one point to just like while the fight's going on saying Bernard it's Kell K-E-L-L and Bernard's just like Cal Brook Cal Brook Cal Brook it's like it's Cal it, it's almost getting a bit comical to listen to but uh, I think that uh, w toughest test for Golovkin, without a doubt. But at the same time, he still weathered it. He didn't really show too much vulnerability. Again, a lot of people saying, oh, he got tagged with unnecessary shots. Again, that's this is just my theory, but I think he does that on purpose. He did that in the, in the Willie Monroe fight to show that he could get hit by a lesser opponent, possibly to lure future opponents in. But uh, right now, they'll talk about Right, yeah. right now the talk is about who will his next opponent be for Gennady Golovkin and the big talk is Daniel Jacobs I I think that fight would be a great fight to happen uh, Jacobs recently beat Sergio Mora in a rematch rather unnecessary rematch but whatever Not, I didn't pay for it so <laughs> uh, I hope that fight does happen uh, hopefully before the end of the year or early next year and hopefully that will eventually lead into a showdown with Canelo Alvarez and in moving on let's talk about Canelo Alvarez versus Liam Smith Liam Smith got knocked out with a body shot 
good performance from Canelo, okay? As you, yeah, those of you who are new to the show or uh, have been listening for quite a while know that I am no big fan of Canelo Alvarez. I'll give credit where credit is due, but at the same time, this was not uh, very unexpected, at least for me anyway. Uh, what was unexpected was that they they made the whole big deal about, oh, Canelo's coming or Canelo's fighting at 154 pounds to show that he can still make the weight. And then after the fight, he says, you know what? This was probably my last fight at 154 pounds. So great. You make that whole big deal about, oh, I'm not a middleweight. I can make 154 pounds. I'm still a junior middleweight. He does it. And he's like, oh my God, that was torture. I, I can't do that again. <sighs> I, I, I really don't know. And uh, Canelo's probably going to be out for the rest of the year because he uh, broke a uh, thumb in the fight. Uh, this has not been a very good year for Canelo Alvarez. A pity for him, because last year, I he was my pick for fighter of the year. He had the uh, great knockout of James Kirkland a week after the uh, Mayweather-Pacquiao farce, and then he won the middleweight championship for Miguel Cotto. So... It's such a, a pity that uh, this year has been so lackluster for him because, I mean, yeah, he knocked out Amir Khan and this uh, recent one with Liam Smith, but uh, it was the whole ducking of Golovkin that really hurt him. You can't say, oh, I want to fight Gennady Golovkin. I'll show him that we don't F around in Mexico and then, you know, less than three weeks later vacate the title. Sorry, that, that's going to hurt your credibility. I think Mexicans probably have a uh, greater affection for Gennady Golovkin than they do Canelo Alvarez at the moment, but that's just my opinion. I don't exactly poll the Mexican community in Calgary because I don't think there is one. There's a greater Filipino population here. You should see it when a Manny Pacquiao fight goes on. Oh, it's crazy. But uh, anyway, moving on. The rematch between Tyson Fury and Vladimir Klitschko is off. Now, for a while, it, this happened. This fight happened early, uh, la- or sorry, late last year, uh, and of course, there's a rematch clause because Klitschko had that in his contract. And for some reason, it's just taken so long to get this fight made. And it was originally scheduled for October 29th of this year, but earlier this month, there were signs that maybe something's not right with Tyson Fury. He failed to show up uh, for a press conference to promote the fight. Uh, his promoter, Mick Hennessy, later at the press conference revealed, well, Tyson's car broke down, his phone battery is uh, dead, and also he's he happens to be stuck in traffic. That was kind of raising some red flags with me right there. It's like, well, okay, I, I can understand the car being broken down. Most of my co-workers love to use that excuse. Second of all, okay, if... How did how is he able to tell you if his he's going to be late if the phone battery's dead? And also, how do you know that he's stuck in traffic because the phone battery is dead? So how do you know this? Okay, <laughs> I don't know, but uh, they were they were very insistent. Don't worry, the fight's going to happen. In one article I found, it says, "quote There is no way this fight does not happen unless, God forbid, one of them gets an injury." Well, <laughs> funny you mentioned that. 
According to Dan Rayfield of ESPN, Tyson Fury has pulled out of this rematch with Vladimir Klitschko, the former champion, because he is, uh, uh, this is from his promoter McKennessy, quote, medically unfit to fight. Now, multiple sources, according to Rayfield, multiple sources with knowledgeable correspondence between both camps uh, said that included a letter from Fury's doctor. The letter said that Fury had mental health issues and would be unavailable for the foreseeable future. So, let's be very clear. Tyson Fury has been acting very, very bizarre ever since he won the fight with Klitschko and became heavyweight champion. But it seems that little cuckoo bird that we always knew was inside his head finally sprung out for the world to see. I mean... I don't know, maybe he just doesn't have the discipline or the mentality to be champion. It's not the first time that's happened. <laughs> you want some good examples? Michael Moore. Uh, even though he was a great fighter and the first two-time heavyweight champion, Floyd Patterson always seemed to me like, I don't know, he did not have the mentality of a champion at times. He he was very self-conscious. I, it just, I don't know, Floyd Patterson was always a bit of a, strange one wearing those disguises whenever he lost a fight but uh that's just my opinion uh there's a lot of talk now about well what happens do we strip tyson fury of his of his belts because technically he's if he's unfit to fight then what's the point of him having the titles okay Deontay Wilder released a statement on Twitter, said, It's very sad to see a champion unfit to perform due to no self-discipline. One day, there will be one name, Deontay Wilder. You know, interesting statement from him. Uh, There is talk. Apparently, Eddie Hearn is trying to make a fight between Vladimir Klitschko and Anthony Joshua for later in the year. That would be a very, very, very interesting crossroads fight. Both fighters are Olympic gold medalists. Uh, Klitschko won his all the way back in 1996. Yeah, 20 years ago. Uh, Joshua won his in the 2012 games. They are knockout punchers. It'd be a real crossroads fight. Is this truly the end for Vladimir Klitschko? Or is he still able to show all these younger fighters that he is the dominant heavyweight of his era? Or at least still is. I mean, let's be quite clear. Klitschko hadn't lost a fight in 10 years before he met Tyson Fury. And I thought that he was going to win that fight. I actually, I think I predicted a knockout for him based on the fact that if Steve if Steve Cunningham, a, uh, a cruiserweight, could knock down Tyson Fury, then Vladimir Klitschko, the heavyweight champion, should be able to knock him out. But, uh, yeah, not my best prediction. <laughs> but, uh, look... Even uh, even though I'm not the biggest fan of uh, Tyson Fury, I hope that he does eventually get better. Uh, I know some people are upset because they were fans of Klitschko and they wanted to see him get revenge, hopefully, but it uh, doesn't look like that's going to happen. Joshua, Anthony Joshua, does hold the IBF heavyweight title, so at least if that fight happens, then maybe uh, Klitschko will, well, not maybe, he will get a, a belt back if he wins, of course, but... Uh, We'll have to see where it goes from there. Moving on. Does anybody still read Ring Magazine? I'm legitimately asking that question because I used to buy it religiously. And I haven't in a couple of years. Uh, 
Uh, I the last issue I did buy was the uh, special edition for Muhammad Ali, but that was just to reminisce about Ali's greatness. Uh, have I read any? I, like, if I see it at the bookstore, I will pick it up and look through it, but I don't make an effort to race there uh, whatever Wednesday it comes out and snatch it off the shelves. I really don't. I've had my issues with Ring Magazine in the past, and uh, if you'll recall, uh, last year, I believe the it was the November 9th podcast, I had some very choice words for Ring Magazine, particularly because they were putting UFC champion, or rather, then-UFC champion, Ronda Rousey on the cover, despite the fact that she was not a professional boxer at all. And I had a suggestion for something that they could have done to promote women's boxing, or, hell, to have a woman on the cover, but, uh, well, I'll let you listen to that. Hold on one sec. There was a gold medalist for Team USA in boxing. Her name was Clarissa Shields. Now, I know that Ring Magazine doesn't pay a lot of attention to the amateur programs, but how cool would that have been to have the first American female to win a gold medal in boxing on the front cover in the year 2012? That would have been awesome. But instead, they didn't. I don't, I don't know if the uh, editorial board in 2012 was the same as it is today, but regardless, it was, a, it was a blown opportunity. You could have put so many fighters, so many female fighters on the cover. You could have put the whole U.S. female boxing team. I don't care if it was just three people. That's three women that would have been on that cover. You could have put all the female fighters on the cover. That would have been extraordinary. But you didn't. Those words were spoken back in November of 2015. It was recently announced that Clarissa Shields, the first American period to win back-to-back gold medals in boxing at any Olympics, will be on the cover of the December issue of Ring Magazine. What took you? No, no, no. I, I, I want to know, when did they finally clue in? 2012, Clarissa Shields was the only member of Team USA to win a gold medal, or rather, any medal in boxing. This year, 2016, she's the only member of Team USA to win a gold medal. Everybody was putting so much hope on uh, Shakur Stevenson, but he won the silver. But still... Clarissa did it again, and finally, she's getting her due. That is one issue that I will be very excited to pick up. Uh, I encourage you to do the same. And speaking of Clarissa Shields... In the last podcast, I mentioned that I would be doing a movie review, and as you can tell by, by the familiar music... This is what we're talking about. Uh, like a lot of people, I own Netflix. I enjoy the hell out of it. And one thing I do every couple weeks, if I'm looking for something to watch, I will just go into the uh, little search engine there and just type boxing. And a little while ago, I found a movie. You know, I, I'd seen a few. There's Marvia, the documentary about Sergio Martinez. 
the Hurricane, the Denzel Washington movie about Reuben Hurricane Carter, a few movies, or rather documentaries about Ali, but I found a new one called T-Rex, and it is about the rise of Clarissa Shields from the amateur ranks all the way to the gold medal at the 2012 London Games. I really like this movie. I thought, okay, you know, let's see if it's as good as I hope it is, and unfortunately few things are. Thankfully, this is. This is not some uh, feel sorry for me because I live in poor Flint, Michigan story. It's it, it's not afraid to be to show Clarissa Shields as she really is. She does have problems. Like she admits that uh, she wants to do things her own way. After she wins the gold medal, she feels that she should be getting a lot more attention for all that she's done. She wants to be getting uh more money like a lot of the male fighters are from the u.s boxing program she wants to be getting endorsements and products and she actually meets with them and they say well we need to work on your image because well you you can't say things like i like to hit people i like to make them cry i mean we need to soften your image and she's just thinking why you want me to be genuine but when i am genuine when you're saying oh no you, you, you can't do that and and I was sitting there thinking, she's right. I mean, why did people love Mike Tyson in the late 80s? Because he would go out there and say, oh, you know, I just like hitting people. You know, I, like, I want to push his, his bones into his brain. <laughs> that was an awful Mike Tyson impression. I'm very sorry. But you, you know what I mean. Boxing is about brutality. She even says at one point, it's boxing. And it goes through uh, problems she has at home. She does not live with her family. She lives with her boxing coach. She, like, she wants to have a relationship with one of her sparring partners, but her coach is very adamant. No, stay away from him, okay? There is no dating in the gym. It, it's very raw, very gritty, but at the same time, very real. Nothing feels manufactured. I mean... I thought that it was very cool that afterwards, this 17-year-old who was entering her senior year of high school, I love the fact that she wore her gold medal to school. All right, that, that just seemed very cool. Uh, if there was one part about it I didn't like, it, it, it was a bit hard for me to watch. It was actually uh, just after the beginning of the fight because she is uh, in a tournament and she is facing a fighter who whom I know very well, and that's Mary Spencer. And if you're a listener of this podcast, you'll know that Mary Spencer is the one who taught me to fight, which is why I have such a great affinity for women's boxing. It was a bit hard to watch. It's like, oh, come on, Mary. And then I'm like, I know how this ends. I didn't even see the fight, but I have a feeling I know how it ends. And Clarissa wins. I mean, I'm not going to say anything like, oh, you know, she just got lucky. No, it does show that Shields uh, does lose a fight in the amateurs once. In fact, uh, the, I was a bit thrown off because when the movie starts, she's looking very disappointed, very upset, and you find out, oh, she's she's a bit annoyed because she didn't score as many points as she wanted to. She says, I only scored 23 points. I've never scored that low before. I'm usually like in the 30s, and <laughs> but it, it's a great uh, look at... Uh, it, it's a real regs to riches look at somebody who would uh, 
make history for Team USA in the U.S. Olympics, or sorry, the uh, the London Olympics. And what would be nice is if we eventually get a sequel one day, kind of showing the after, like a, a great aftermath from the 2012 games, like okay, like, did she eventually get big endorsement deals? What was that like? What happened between the year 2013 and these last Olympics where she once again won the gold medal? That'd be very interesting. Uh, now, I know, know that, I know that all Netflix uh, services are not the same. For example, everything on Netflix Canada is not available on Netflix USA. But if you can... If it is available to you wherever you are, watch the movie, or rather the documentary, T-Rex. Uh, I'm sure you'll enjoy it. I thought it's one of the better documentaries I've seen this year. Highly recommend it. Anyway, that's all we have for you this week. We hope you enjoyed the latest edition of the Boxing for Free podcast. You can find us online at www.boxingforfree.com. That's boxing, the number four, free.com. Twitter.com slash boxing for free. Be like Arislandi Lara, Robert Guerrero, Berman Stavern, Miller Zizek, Adonis Stevenson, Glenn Johnson. Wow, that's a lot of famous boxers and hundreds of others. And follow us on Twitter. Go to youtube.com slash boxing for free and like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash boxing for free page. You can subscribe on iTunes, Podbean, and several other podcast directories. If you use iTunes, give us a review and let everyone know that the Boxing for Free podcast is your source for boxing news and commentary. I'm Andrew Schweitzer. Thank you for listening, and we hope you tune in next time.